Shall we begin? Let's begin Irotondo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irotondo! Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal! Rich Bagaloo through the crowd, fires one up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's Podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined, as always, by James. How are you going, James? I'm well, mate. I'm well. We're getting spoiled this week, aren't we? Well, it's interesting that you say that because last week we sat down on Thursday and we decided that it would be a good idea to record an episode. I started editing the episode and then... Some really heartbreaking news broke on early Friday morning. And I personally went into mourning for, I think, about six days. And so that six-day period is now over. I don't know if you know this, but in the podcasting, specifically the football podcasting, there actually is um, mandates that you have to go into six days of mourning. I don't know whether other people have been following that. Um, I think the industry is probably going to have to crack down on that. But... We've done our due diligence by going into six days of mourning, no editing, no recording anything, barely even watching football just to mourn the loss of Queen Lizzie. And now that period is over and there is good news on the horizon, especially for Australian football fans. I hear I've been at work literally all day, haven't really even been able to see the Socceroos squad, haven't been able to pay too much attention to the under-19s and the under-20s. I hear there's rumours that we might be back qualifying for the under-20s World Cup. James, what is happening today? Look, it's been an F8 masterclass, I have to say, mate. So, today alone, we've had Grankwall call up to the Socceroo squad. Massive headline. Huge. But the bigger news, I think, aside from that, is the fact that we pulled out of the under-20 Asian Cup qualifiers, which also act as qualifiers with World Cup due to where they were based. And today, the big Asian honchos, head of football over there, they're like, you know what? We're going to give in to Australia. We're going to move that group that we are in to somewhere else, which means Grant Qual is now going to get senior experience as well as still be available for the under-20 World Cup qualifiers and Asian Cup qualifiers for Australia. It's it's just a huge win, isn't it? That is it. Quite a big win. I was obviously referring to the big news being that we now have a new $2 coin, I believe, with the Football Australia logo on it. Um, but it's great to hear those other headlines uh, providing good news to Australians. I mean, I'm excited for the $2 coin, mate. When I saw that, I was buzzing. I'm like, I need to get my hands in this. That's a collector's item right there. It is a collector's item, but uh, enough of that. James, there's three squads that have been announced within the last, what, couple of days, all featuring some of Australia's best and brightest prospects. The biggest headline, obviously, will be the 30-man squad that Graham Arnold has just announced to take on New Zealand, both in Australia and New Zealand. I'm excited for that match because uh, they're coming to Brisbane. But some fascinating n- names that I've heard were omitted. So would you like to take us, if people, for some reason, haven't heard who is and isn't in the squad, would you like to run us through the headlines, if you will? Well, one of the most surprising inclusions to some is Mitch Langrak's back. That's such a good vibe story. I love it. No disrespect to Danny Vukovic. 
obviously when Mark Birgitti first got his move over to Dundee, we're excited that he might be that second or third goalkeeper, but things haven't worked out for him so far. But Mitch Langerak, for a period of time, and still you could make the argument that he's our best goalkeeper. Form-wise, form-wise over the last four, three, five years, definitely you can make the argument. He has been absolutely phenomenal since moving to the J-League. He's become almost a cult hero over in Japan for the way he's just dominated that league. And it's phenomenal to see him back in the national setup. Uh, his retirement wasn't out of spite or anything like that. It was purely based on family reasons. It was in the height of COVID lockdowns, young family, kids at toddler age. So he didn't want to commit to the international game because he wanted to stay home throughout all the lockdowns and be with his young family, which I mean, fair play to him. That's the most important thing in my opinion, family over football, but it's great to see him back in the national setup and will provide some real competition to Matty Ryan, which is phenomenal heading into a World Cup. Here's a question. Would you say that family over football, even when it comes to the case of the Kowal brothers, because the younger brother, Garang, has pipped Alu at least to his first squad call-up. What do you make of that headline? Well, if... We've seen anything from the Kowal family so far. It's that they all have a very healthy dose of competition in them. So if anything, I'm excited to see what Alu Kowal does next because he's a competitive fella and I'm sure he's not, I'm sure he's happy for his brother, but he's probably not happy with the situation and it'll be exciting to see how we can improve coming out of it. And I think he is going to improve a lot out of it because he'll not take it personally, but he'll take the challenge and run with it. One other name that I heard was floating around the squad, and I believe has made it, Harrison Delbridge. Especially when you consider the form of someone like Alex Grant. Mm. That's a big call. It really is. We spoke about Harrison Delbridge on their show, I believe, earlier this year. Uh, we touched on him briefly, just noting how good he has been in Korea. And he has been very good over there. But we also kind of noted he's not really on the radar. He's getting up there in age. I believe he's 30 years old now. And the big thing for me is more so how Graham Arnold plans to use him. So it's clear from the press conference that Graham Arnold use him, use him now as the emergency option. If Sutar doesn't get healthy in time. Or if, and if Kai Rolls doesn't get healthy in time. Because he's a big left-footed center half standing at 193 centimeters tall. He's a big fella. But someone like Alex Grant, he's, I think, been better overall in terms of his form while over in K-League, and I think he is a better player. But I just think Alex Grant is a left footer who has had arguably one of the best central defender performances in the last few years for Australia has been omitted again. Yeah, it's a disappointing one when you look at it like that. I, for one, would have loved to see a name like Ale Sakati. I think that could have been a really fun call-up because Graham Arnold has said that this 30-man squad is a little bit of an opportunity for him to experiment to see what he has to work with. I think that's potentially part of the reason why someone like Tom Rogic isn't in the squad. I know he's just signed a deal with West Brom and he's probably not match fit, let's be real. And someone might look at that and go, well, why not use this as an opportunity to help him get a bit more match fit? But I think he knows what he's getting with Rogic. I think bringing in someone like Tari's Francois, who 
isn't a like-for-like replacement, but it's an opportunity to get him in the squad and to show him what it's like at the senior level. He obviously captained the under-23s in the Asian Cup, but to get him in there to reward the bench appearances that he had for Fulham and to encourage him as well as he continues to try and get minutes in Croatia and maybe even add extra value to him so that Fulham go, oh, okay, this guy's actually getting called up for the national team as well. We have actually should keep holding on to him and see if we can develop him into a much better footballer. It is a strange squad in the sense that there is a fair bit of experimentation. We've seen the likes of the come dog, Jason Cummings. Him getting called up, I'm personally really excited about that. But I'm excited to see which players end up on the pitch at Suncorp Stadium. Obviously, it's a friendly, so you're not going to be able to cap-tie certain players. But to see them in the green and gold and to give them their first cap will be exciting. And I think, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating game. It really is. And it's going. It's just so exciting, really, because something I have grown to appreciate of this Graham Arnold tenor and what he has done in the national side is he has created a clear pathway from your young Socceroos through to now the Socceroos. You can see the players that have come through that young setup. You have Devlin, Jean Roux, Bacchus. You have um, Metcalf, Francois, and... I mean, Tilio also featured at the Olympics. I'm sure Jay Rich Baglu would have been in for a shout if he stayed healthy for this Socceroos squad, which makes that hurt even more. But you can see that there is clearly a distinct effort by Graham Arnold and a distinct intention to create a pathway of, as you progress through these young setups, the younger national setups, that there is a pathway to the senior team. And that's something that has lacked in Australian football for a long, long time. Often you see it's kind of like every time you're trying to win a tournament, which is good, don't get me wrong, but there lacks an identity of players learning to grow and develop together. And then once they get to the senior level, the highest level of international football, because we often have like a mishmash of players who have gone through the different routes, it creates a really interesting dynamic of players not too familiar with each other. Whereas when you look at the German system, now Germany have their clear international pathways. The squad, the the level of intimate closeness on a footballing sense that the squad has, they know where each other are all the time. You can see the difference that makes on the pitch and you see it in the results. And it's going to be super exciting to see this new generation of Australian footballers coming through. They've played together for many years. They have featured together in the Young Socceroos, in the Oli Roos, and even the Joeys, and now they're coming together and they're playing together for the Socceroos. And it's a phenomenal thing to see, and I think it's going to be very clear how much how that will affect our results because the talent is still at a very high level, and you can argue that this is one of our best talent intakes since 06. And now you combine that with the being playing t- with each other from a young age, and it's going to be... I think it's just going to pay absolute dividends. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that I'm critical of Graham Arnold. Tactically, on the pitch, I don't back him. But I will agree with you that during his time as national team manager, I think he's done a great job at bringing in young players and giving them experience. And I think for 
someone like Garang, it'll be especially fascinating because we all saw what happened to Daniel Arzani after the last World Cup. He was probably in a similar position, at least at an A-League club level. It wasn't like he was starting games all that regularly for Melbourne City. And still to an extent, Marco Tilio isn't a starter for that Melbourne City side. He's playing behind N- Naboo, Leckie and McLaren, and he's not getting regular game time either. But as someone who is a young, promising player that's getting minutes off the bench and is using them to great effect, calling him up to the national team is a move that will only help him and I think feed the hunger that you see in a player like him to want to get better. And even for Alu, seeing your little brother, as someone who... I'm a middle child, but I've got a little brother. And when he does something better than me, there's a something within me. I don't know what it is, but it's like, oh, I need to, I need to get better. I need to be better so that I can, I don't want to lose my little brother. You know what I mean? For, for sure. For sure. And it's a very common thing, especially in athletic families of people that have experience with competition that your brother is your first your brother and sisters are your first competition in life um whether that's a healthy thing or not depends on your upbringing but in this case i think it'll be a very healthy thing so it will be exciting and in the case of grankwell i think it will be beneficial him getting this early call up uh because it will feed his hunger in Historically, in Australia's case, though, I think we have been a bit early on some players. When you look at an Azan and at an Azani, who his mentality wasn't quite there like Garang's is. When you look at a Tommy Orr, similar kind of boat as Azani, wasn't really the mentality that you needed. Very professional player, don't get me wrong, but in terms of the almost arrogance that you need to become an absolute superstar wonder kid, wasn't wasn't there. Um, so it's a very interesting thing and I hope it goes the right way with Garang. I think it will, but historically Australia doesn't have a great history of swinging and hitting on these young wonder kid players. And I think the most interesting part of this all, of all of this, when we're speaking about Garang Kowal and this Australian senior squad, I don't even think he's our highest potential nor our best young player. Which is a, maybe a huge thing to say, but I still think it's Christian Volpato if he chooses to represent Australia. And it makes it sting almost, almost, it makes it almost sting more seeing Christian Volpato not feature for the Zocaroos now because it felt like the opportunity was there earlier in the year. The momentum was there. There was interest on his side in Australia. But Graham Arnold told him he's not ready. And now and now Garankwal Graham Arnold is deemed as ready, which I think it is. I think it's the right timing. But it makes the Volpato omission merely six months ago sting a whole lot more. Yeah, it does sting. This is not a knock on Tyrese Francois, but when you call up a player like him who at best has had a couple of minutes off the bench in a Premier League side and, and has moved to Croatia where he's played one or two senior games. I look at someone like Volpato and I would argue that he's at a higher level than Tyrese is and he's younger and he's someone that 
we should be tapping on the shoulder. But I know that Volpato has said that his heart is with Italy at the moment and he'd like to pursue that. He has also said his heart is with Australia. He's, yeah, I think he said both of that in the span of one week. He's obviously a guy that wants to be wanted, right? Yeah. And he wants to be playing at the highest level. And whilst Australia has qualified for the World Cup and Italy hasn't, you would be silly to argue that Australia is a greater footballing nation than Italy is. So we've talked at length on this show about the Volpato debacle, if you want to call it that. He hasn't been called up to this squad. I can't see him being called up before the World Cup, even if he has a blinder of a season and breaks his way into the Roma first team. I don't think it's going to happen. And if anything, if it does happen and he does break his way into the Roma first team, that'll just fuel his desire to want to play for Italy even more. So it's just one of those things. Looking after young talent, how difficult can it be? Well, very difficult, clearly. And history has shown that. Well, we've touched on the negatives, I feel. The Sicardia mission, the Grant mission, and the Volpato mission, which I think are the only three misses in this squad. And I think that says a lot about how well Graham Arnold has done. Because historically, I've agreed on, I've disagreed on a lot more aspects of a Graham Arnold squad. So for him to only have three misses in my book is phenomenal. Because for him to only have three misses says a lot about what I think about this squad. Because I think this is arguably the best Graham Arnold squad we have seen during his tenor. Wow, big call. I mean, the fact that he gets 30 players to choose from might also help that a little bit. Very true. But when I look through the squad, um, it's a very beautiful blend of young players and elder and older players as well. The one... There was one interesting part of the press conference I would like to bring up. And it was when Graham Arnold was speaking about the number nine position, about our strikers. And he was very proud about, he was very excited and exuberant about how we have four great striking options. Mm. And this struck, this struck me as very interesting because when I went through the list, I, I see five strikers in this list. Cummings, Duke, McLaren, Taggart, and Grant Kowal. So, and then just a few minutes after that, Arnie clearly stated that he views Grinkwall as a winger, as a good wide player who can take on a man one-on-one, which is a fair assessment. But for the majority of his young playing career, Grinkwall has played as a striker, as a nine centrally. So it'll be very interesting to see him take this huge step up to the senior level and potentially play on the wing. Yeah. I mean, given his size viewing him as a winger at this point in time is not the worst thing ever. Given his size, he's a lot smaller. He obviously doesn't have as much meat on his bones either. I don't mind the thought of playing him out wide alongside even a Jason Cummings who knows how Garang works. I thought that press conference with both Garang and Jason was really cool because you could see how Jason looks out for Garang. He probably sees a bit of himself. Ingrain, a young larrikin who likes to have a laugh, but was also viewed as a really high potential young player, scored against Liverpool, 
Nia Cup and then started to struggle because he didn't really have any leaders ahead of him. I dare say Jason Cummings probably views himself in a younger Ankuol and wants to kind of guide him on the better path that he thought he could have gone on. Mm, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I just thought it was really cool that obviously for Cummings, this is his first call-up. This is something that he's been wanting and dreaming about. And yet he was happy to sit to the side and go, do you know what? It's about him. What an absolute stellar kid we've got next to us. And he's got serious talent. And I thought that showed a lot of maturity on his part, which for someone who is nicknamed Cumdog, not to say that he can't have any maturity, but I thought it was a really classy moment from him. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree and just adds to the love I have for Jason Cummings as a footballer because he's so fun to watch. Yeah. He's such a character on the pitch and I think it's going to be such a great fit having him in the Socceroos squad. I think it will be and I'm excited to see just how well he gels with the rest of the team. There's already jokes about him being a translator for Martin Boyle (laughs) and we've got a nice little Scottish Suns contingent, if you will, uh, Harry Suter not in the squad at the moment, but then you've also then got the likes of Martin Boyle and Jason Cummings. And then you've got our Scottish expats who are all living it up over in Scotland. Great to see the likes of Ryan Strain called up into the squad. I think the Ryan Strain uh, inclusion has kind of been overshadowed by Grant Call a lot of in a lot of ways. If Grant wasn't included, I think that would have been a huge story because someone that no one really viewed as a Socceroos call-up. Definitely not this soon, but once he left for the Middle East, I think a lot of people in Australia kind of forgot about Ryan Strain. But here he is featuring now for the Socceroos after a stellar start to his season. Yeah, you've got the likes of Bacchus as well in that squad. Cam Devlin, who you've mentioned just before. A whole host of fresh faces, but they've got now a considerable number of senior games and senior minutes in a really competitive league under their belt. And so I think there's lots of potential within this squad. I'm really excited for this game next Thursday night. It's shaping up to be an absolute cracker. It really is. And coming back to Keno Bacchus, I've seen a bit of, I wouldn't say disappointment, but a bit of um, a healthy dose of skepticism around Keno Bacchus because he hasn't been the most amazing player since the move. Uh, in a lot of people's eyes, his form has not, I mean, jumped out at you. But I I have long been on the Keenebacker's train. He is the type of footballer who does a lot of the dirty work that you don't see. But he also, the way he plays, he's more so you're just your ultimate glue player. He's the kind of player that can rise to the occasion and rise to the level of football. And we seen while he was in Australia for Western Sydney, he struggled to really raise the ceiling of that squad. It was underperforming. And now as he's moved over to St. Martin, he hasn't really raised the ceiling of the squad. But what he has done is he has created everywhere he goes, this consistency factor of when you have Keanu Bacchus in your midfield, he will make it so the ball is moving. You're consistent in your attack. You're consistent in your defensive transitions, and he covers over a lot of errors for other people. So I think it is super exciting that he has been given the respect he deserves and given a call-up because I think he is ready, and he is on the level of a Socceroos midfielder. Um, And 
it's going to be super interesting to see how he pairs up with hopefully a senior player. I would love to see him feature in the soccer squad with a more senior player like a Hristich or like an Irvine to pair with them and to see just how well he can mould and step up his game to really the upper echelon of Australian footballing standards. Yeah, he's just one of the many young players that are going to absolutely relish this opportunity to play Socceroos fixture against a New Zealand side that, let's be real, they're not, it's not going to be a walkover. Let's be real, it's not going to be a walkover. It's not like we're playing East Timor or American Samoa. This is going to be a good challenge for our Socceroos. One of the oldest rivalries, and they're filled with some talented players within that New Zealand squad. So I think it'll be great for us. It'll be a great game next Thursday night. There were two other squads that have been announced within the last two days. Do you want to quickly chat about some of the key players within those squads to keep an eye out for? Looking at the young Socceroos first, Trevor Morgan and his squad are going to be playing in the Costa Calida Super Cup, which you can actually, which is actually free to view on YouTube through the Pinata Arena YouTube channel. So there you go. You can catch those games. But overall, it's a very exciting squad and a very strong contingent of Australian players, but also a very healthy smorgasbord of European clubs players featuring. Of note for this young Socceroos squad, uh, the biggest name, arguably, on this squad in terms of the their current status in world football, Joshua Rawlins, fresh off move to FC Utrecht, featuring in the top 250 list of Promising Young Footballers posted by the Football Observatory. Also fresh off a move, teammate Mo Toure and Yaya Dukuli currently playing their trade off in France, featuring the squad. Final player that I really wanted to highlight of note and something I am super happy with, super pleased with, and is a great example of why the Australian national setup needs regular high-level youth tournaments. Paul Ocon Jr. is in this squad. Of course, a dual nationality player like Chipper Field, like Volpato, like Zaccardi, who didn't feature for any youth set up for the Australian national side because of COVID. But Paul Ocon Jr. here, fresh off moved to the biggest club on this list in Benfica, will be featuring for the young Socceroos. I'm just going through this squad right now. And it's interesting because I don't believe that Paul Ocon Jr. is the only second-generation Australian footballer because Kane Vidmer, son of Socceroos great Tony Vidmer, is also in this squad. He's playing his trade at Adelaide United. I can't say I've seen too much of him, but I'm excited. Name clearly precedes him, and if he's anything like his dad, then we're in for a good time. He's a talented young defender, very raw, uh, but reads the game very well. So it'll be great for him to have this experience at a high-level tournament because if he can develop his technical skills and become a bit more of an athlete to go along with this reading of the game, he'll be a fine, fine player potentially for the Socceroos in the future. The only other name that might be worth mentioning is Bernardo, who featured sparingly in the Under-23 Asian Cup. A great opportunity for him to continue to work on his game and to also establish himself within the Australian footballing setup. For sure. And 
if this group is anything to go by the previous group that came through expect to see a lot of these players featured together for the Socceroos in the future as their first game is on the 23rd of September against Morocco 2 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time off in Spain. Well, not quite in Spain. In fact, on the opposite side of the world, back home in Australia, the Joeys are set to have a training camp from the 17th to the 30th of September. James, this is a group of players that is headlined, really, by the likes of Nesta Irankunda, a player that features in our very own intro for this show. We know what he can bring to the table. We've seen him in the A-League. I'm hoping to see plenty more of him in this upcoming season. But are there any other players within this squad that worth keeping an eye out for that maybe are about to have their own Nesta Irin Kunda season in the A-League? Tough to say for a lot of these players, as a lot of them are so raw. But one player that I really do rate this early on in his career is Adriano Labib, the defender for Perth Glory. He is very much in the same kind of mold as traditional Perth Glory Academy graduates that we've seen. A very natural athlete, can get up and down the pitch very well as a fullback, but it can also slot in a bit more centrally as a centre-back. And I think he could have a very good tournament and potentially move his career abroad uh, the big reason why I wanted to bring up this Joey squad is it's a training camp leading into the Asian Cup qualifiers, which also then operate as the World Cup qualifiers for the under-17s. And that tournament really is the big one for Australian youngsters. As you can see, I'm um, going through the squad. Only one player currently not playing in his trade in Australia. That player, Xavier Smith, who came through the Liverpool Academy, now playing for Crew Alexander. Every other, Everyone else playing in either the A-League youth setup or the former A-League youth setup or the MPL system. And these tournaments, these international tournaments, are often where you see these young players get noticed, highlighted by international academies, and some decide to take their career overseas. And that's how you end up with players like the Volpados, the Zaccardis of the world. So it'll be super exciting to see which players step up and earn that move abroad. Um, and which ones don't. Another player to quickly note is um, a Western Sydney Wanderers youngster, Ayman Galusi, a very intelligent attacker, operates very well in half space and is natural with the ball at his feet. And it's a player I'm expecting as well to have a very good tournament in these qualifiers for the Asian Cup. Yeah, plenty of promise within this squad and I'm excited to see how that qualification unfolds. I think it's fair to say that the future of Australia football looks bright. We've got some great talent on our hands and if we can foster and steward them well, then the next couple of years, we're going to have an exciting time as Australian football fans. I think we'll probably leave it there for this episode. We'll be back with regular programming, if you will. Uh, obviously, the big game is next Thursday, the Socceroos match against New Zealand. You can bet we'll be unpacking that match afterwards. James, score prediction for Australia and New Zealand? I'm going to go 3-1 to Australia. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to hear. I think the last friendly that was played at Suncourt was against South Korea, and it wasn't very promising. So as a Brisbane football fan, I'm hoping that the soccer is really turn up and get a good win. 
And we see the likes of our youngsters really lining it up and getting Brisbane football fans and Australian football fans really excited. That'll be it for this episode. If you have anything you'd like to get in touch with us about, any feedback, even just your feelings towards the squads, at Soccer Who's Pod is where you can find us on socials, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, or via email at soccerwhospod at gmail.com. That'll be it for this episode. We'll catch you later.